0: on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell, bringing the bang all the time, all pro wrestling in this red hot third boom period. Can you feel what I'm feeling? I think you can, folks. Getting you wired and fired today. Maybe get myself fired, actually. Let me me not step over my my footing right there, but uh, getting you all fired up for this weekend's WWE Clash of Champions card pay-per-view the silver king and i will have your preview we'll have the bonus video feed on youtube so be sure to check that out and we may have a few announcements coming up some loaded shows in your future with some huge special guests indeed thank you welcome to the big show brother it really is terry it's very big around here and i hear that matters size does matter. Thank you, Kaz XL. All right. Why don't I bring in my co host here? Let's get right into it. I don't want to sell you anything. I don't want to remind you to put five stars on my iPhone Google Apple whatever you call what am I sound like? Some old guy. Uh Apple Podcast, wherever you consume Spotify or fine because I know you will. But here he comes, my co host in the
1: in this Campbell podcast.
0: You're gonna like this guy. It's the Silver King. Hey. Hello to the bad guy. He's as passionate about his wrestling takes as he is about his distaste for hot water. It's the king of all silver, Adam Silverstein.
1: Hey, now, that's that's a frazzled uh, lead in from B.C. Wherever you can find Spotify or
0: or listen to audio. Yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> I mean. Buy our products, whatever you want.
1: The point is we're available everywhere. Listen to us and and leave reviews and they better be five stars uh, or else we don't want them. Uh, BC, there's a lot happening in the professional wrestling world. But do you really think it's fair to call it the third boom period when, if we're being honest, it hasn't really boomed
0: yet? See, I I struggle with that idea a few times because um, quality of wrestling wise. Accessibility to wrestling, wise, we're in the th- we're in the third boom period, but Agreed. but what maketh a real boometh? Uh, do you need a revolution to sustain? Do you need a a a actual competitor to WWE? Well, we got that AEW launching coming up, uh, NXT going going big boy style, which is sort of a, its own in house competitor to the traditions of Raw and SmackDown. So yeah, New Japan's still doing great stuff. I'd say this is a boom period. But it was interesting, and I know we mentioned this in the past on this pod, SK, what your boy Meltsy said, will this, uh, will the money right now, the love of pro wrestling everywhere, kill it? Will it end up killing it in the end? Because, uh, you know, if you're not in tuned and inclined, you start turning on the TV, I got too much wrestling on. You know, what's the good stuff? I don't know. Is any of it good? Maybe it wears people out in the end. I'm willing to get there, though.
1: I'm willing to get there. Well, I kind of look at it like, it's people our age and when i say our age you are obviously far more washed than i am but i'll i'll group us together because we're at least close enough in the same age bracket um kind of wanting the era of old wanting the attitude era and the WWE WCW competition we want that back in our lives because maybe we have a little bit more time for it now than we did over the last 10 12 years but i think what this period of professional wrestling is missing that the Attitude Era, and I'm using that really as a blanket term for the 90s and early 2000s, had, that was massively popular with teenagers. Like, I remember walking through my hallways in high school, and not every guy, but if it wasn't a sports shirt, you were seeing Austin 316, NWO, The Rock, Mankind. Like, everyone was wearing wrestling shirts, and everyone was talking about wrestling and watching it. The ratings were through the roof. And even if AEW comes back, and let's say they get a 2.0 rating. Let's say they match WWE miraculously. Combined, that's still less than Raw was getting back in the Attitude Era. Yeah. So how much of a boom actually is wrestling right now? I think it's more what you're saying. It's accessible. It's a higher quality product than we've ever had before. But I don't think it's the cultural phenomenon or juggernaut like it was, and honestly, I don't think it ever will be again.
0: No, and, and a lot of that, and that's, a great, that's some great point you made, a lot of that has to do with where we are in entertainment and how we uh, consume it, and, you know, I mean, look, we grew up hearing our parents saying, well, back in my day, there were three channels, and you were glued to them, so if something was on TV, everybody saw it, everybody knew it. I mean, and even that sort of thinking and limit limitations did lean into the 80s. I know, like, I got 66 channels, by 1984, but I know not everybody else did. Most people still had 13. So when Andre the Giants can steal the championship from Hulk Hogan in 1987 on WWE main event on NBC, it could still do 33, 30, I'm sorry, 37 million viewers because the storyline's so good and so many people are still trained to turn on the primetime networks and just consume on whatever is on those primetime networks we're a long way away from that so no to have that hold on society i think you would almost need like 3 or 4 steve austins right now right like three like you would need like you know it would, in what would happen is it would need to permeate into the culture the same way like uh uh, Fortnite is or something like that, you know, where people are doing the dances and people are wearing the T-shirts and that kind of stuff. It's not impossible, but it, it it not only was easier to grip the public back then, but that was probably a time even more special than now. And I think a big part of that, Adam, was the wrestling of the mid to early 90s became so stale and cartoonish, and then it straight up exploded into a uh, PG-13 R category that, like... It was as cooler hip than ever to love that sh- that ish, if you will. It did it.
1: And let's not forget that that was just a like a sign of the times. You had, and I I'm a massive Howard Stern fan, but Howard Stern was at the peak of his popularity. ECW was going on then. There were adult themes in in varieties of entertainment. Everything was talking about the parental advisory on rap, you know, CDs. That was such a big a big deal. And you're right, BC. When I grew up, and like you said, when our parents grew up, they had three, five, six channels, right? When I grew up, I had like 120, 90, right? I remember like getting a DVR for the first time and it was incredible. Well, now like people don't even use DVR because everything's on demand. And then they're paying for separate services like Netflix, you know, and so on. And it's like, there's almost too much content that exists now. and, And one of our bosses or, you know, longtime bosses who's departed these days used to say content is king and it is, but there's so much of it that I almost feel like you can't have a, massive group of people watch one piece of it and it really needs to be something special like a Breaking Bad or a Game of Thrones or something that is just so good that you can't turn away from it and I don't think wrestling today even if you like AEW or New Japan or NXT it's not so incredibly amazing that people that wouldn't otherwise watch wrestling are gonna watch wrestling I just think that wrestling fans these days are maybe happier than they've ever been before. True. Just because of the quality of product. That they I have.
0: mean, the biggest move that would make a boom period possible, I think is the SmackDown live on Fox on Friday nights that, right. you know, you are potentially pulling in uh, combat sports fans who are going to watch PBC boxing and see those commercials, NFL fans, you know, on and on and on. And there's, so there is big potential there, but you made some interesting points about the nineties being so counterculture. Like when Mike Tyson came out of jail in, in 95 <laughs> five and made that comeback He was, like, all hip-hop, all, like, anti-every... Like, it was, like, it was so hip and cool to do that where the 80s were so thriving, clean-cut, wholesome, as wholesome as can be in the modern era. It's just weird how societal trends come and go. Um, I don't know. Maybe people will get so sick of PG wrestling for so long that someone will hit that edge. And that, that that can spike it again in another way. But, yeah. I don't know, man. Unless you're on... Unless you're on the front page of Netflix or unless you have a viral Friday night show on, on Fox, if they can get it viral, it would be hard to have that cultural impact once again. But uh, crazier things have happened, Adam.
1: That is true. They have. And uh, we don't really have too many crazy things to talk about in the show, but we do have a lot to get to, BC. So let's get to it in the main event. <laughs> So we have our complete WWE Clash of Champions preview, which is coming later in the show. Be sure to stay tuned for that. But we're going to hit a couple quick topics here that aren't really covered in that pay-per-view preview. The first being that they took King of the Ring, which I think was going pretty damn well, and the finals were set for Clash of Champions, and they took the finals and they looked at this card and they're like, well, we got 11 matches otherwise, we're going to pull you out of it. So King of the Ring, not concluding on Sunday, instead... We are getting it Monday night on Raw, and the finals are Chad Gable versus Baron Corbin. Brian, Silver King's happy about this. You know these are the two guys I basically wanted in there. I mean, not counting Buddy, a Buddy Murphy or something like that, but I've been pushing for Chad Gable forever. I think Baron Corbin has been massively underrated and overhated because of a really failed push that WWE gave him, but the la- what he's done in this tournament has been great. So are you aligned with me? Are you happy with the finals, and are you happy they moved it to Monday?
0: Yeah, yeah, all, all around, I'm I'm happy with this. Um, their commitment to to propping up Chad Gable and, and doing the you know uh, David versus Goliath kind of soft a- angle and constant push with that, and then really bringing back Shane and using him, I thought was really really smart this week because it it rightfully sort of uh, irritated you to like, oh no, are we doing uh, the Saudi tournament all over again? Are you know is Shane gonna be back in there for no reason? And you could have got caught up in that and played out, especially when Shane sort of cheated and created it best of three falls. So they're really setting you up to to hammer home what King of the Rings should be, which is, which is we want to try somebody out. We want to see what this person can do. We don't want to put a title on them, but we want to give them an identity. We want to create a bad news barrett and make him cool. Chad Gable could be that guy because he could really work. So I'm a little bit torn. Everything's been great. I don't mind it on Monday. It makes it must see. It makes it a little more important than getting, you know, buried in the third slot to start the pay per view. Right. But I need Chad Gable to win. And I really, really need him to win. And I love the idea of him, uh, potentially being almost a quasi heel as that king and really mil- milking the crown gimmick. And I, you know, it's cheesy, but it works with the right person who can really use it. And he can heel Corbin has played his part well in this tournament. Okay. But he can't win. Come on. He can't. I mean, I know, look, it's not like he hasn't been able to do things we have liked. I still have this button on my soundboard.
1: And you can cry, 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 and I'll buy a boat and float down the river of your tears.
0: I am an incredible promo. He's done some good things, but his role is to agitate you. He already had his spotlight stretch when he was the TGI waiter and the GM of Raw and the I'm on your screen every possible second. Let's make the right decision here. All right? Cuz he don't he don't need it. Corbin don't need to be the king.
1: That's the key. Corbin doesn't need to win. And having them already put him in the assistant GM role and then the GM role and then the constable, it's been enough of Baron Corbin. But I think what they've done with this tournament, which is what the King of the Ring is supposed to be for. And it's why I'm not going to go back and nitpick on all the things that I didn't really love that I thought could have been booked better, okay? But what the goal is, is to get to a final where you're going to get a major reaction. And you're going to get a major reaction from this match. Because one of two things is going to happen. Either Chad Gable, this underdog babyface, everyone's making fun of him being short, is going to topple the most hated heel in WWE who gets more heat than anyone. Whether it's X-Pac heat, whether it's not, it doesn't matter. The crowd hates him and likes to boo him. Okay, Or you have Corbin win and you get a monstrous ovation of boos from the guy that no one wanted to win the tournament actually winning. And in doing so, let's not forget Corbin's matches in this tournament have been really damn good. So they're putting Corbin over and they've saved him as a wrestler and as a character as saying, "Hey, this guy can actually go and you have reasons to hate him as a character, but don't hate him as a person because he's actually good in the ring." What they need to do as you said, BC, is Yeah, give us the result that we want, which is heels can always lose. Build Corbin all the way up. Have him get the huge advantage in the match. Have him hit the deep six, or the end of days, I guess is what it is, that no one has ever kicked out of in WWE. It is one of the most protected finishers in WWE right now. Have Chad Gable kick out of it. Have the commentators tell that story. My only issue with this, the King of the Ring, they have us rooting for Chad Gable, which is good. But they don't really have us falling in love with Chad Gable the way we did Kofi Kingston during his run for the WWE title or Daniel Bryan or any of these other underdogs. They haven't necessarily presented Chad Gable as a big enough deal, someone who has overcome obstacles of being split up from his tag team partner, not really doing much. His other tag team failed. They haven't given us a legitimate story as to why we should care about Chad Gable. We just do care about Chad Gable because it's the Internet age. We like him as a wrestler. We think he can be the next Kurt Angle. So – I really hope that on Monday night they give us a package, they tell a story in the ring, and they put over Chad Gable, and it actually works. Because the truth is, they can have him beat Corbin, and it'd be big for one night, and then you kind of like, okay, now he's king, and who really cares?
0: Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I think there's, there's just, he could use it, he could grow from it. I really would have loved King Elias. I really would have. He really just doesn't would've. need it. That's
1: kind of what I was well, saying. Before.
0: He doesn't need it if you're going to present him as a legitimate badass and a wrestler. But if you're going to stay the route of sideshow, comedic fare, mixing in his music with the I'm the king, get away from me sort of thing. Uh, it could have been brilliant. I mean, it's 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 Vince McMahon, Gaga 101. It's, it's if, right you know what?
1: If the finals were in like Nashville and you want to crown him like we're El- you know Elvis territory, then maybe that would have worked, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think he needs it. I definitely don't think Corbin needs it. At least with Corbin, you get that bad news, Barrett like he is capable of carrying the crown as a heel, so if that's the direction they're going in, I'm fine with it i didn't th- I didn't really want Ali to get it, you know some of the other guys ricochet I didn't think needed it, et cetera, et cetera. I think these are the right two. I think this is the right match um and as you said b c s uh, Tuesday night on SmackDown, I really think they did a great job getting us to this point with Chad Gable bringing back Kevin Owens, bringing back Shane McMahon, making us think that this was the the best-in-the-world tournament all over again. Apparently, Elias, his ankle injury is real. It's not a work, so they actually needed this. If this wasn't in the plans, it really should have been because it was the thing I actually enjoyed Tuesday night on SmackDown. The rest of the show, I didn't care much for. But Shane McMahon, I thought, was great in his role backstage, great in his role in the ring, and I really loved the finish and the booking, I should say, of the match with Owens getting him back with the quick three count And then Chad Gable getting over him super clean with a tap out that, you know, the ring announcer saw. And so there's no way that Owens could kind of like screw it over. Owens didn't have to be the bad guy, didn't have to be the good guy. And we still got the same result.
0: Yeah, I want to talk Owens in one second. Um, On Shane, though, look, I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to avoid rags. Trying to get riches, right? I'm not trying to get rags here. I'm trying to avoid melts in in that whole. I, I hate that life. I hate that life. (laughs) I'm <laughs> trying to get away from that life. But I did see where Meltz originally said, look, Shane's been off TV. They got nothing for him. Vince just doesn't have anything for him. Now it's, oh, Shane had jury duty. Like, what is it? What is it these days? I'm sick of the- it. I really don't have respect for this art form. I know that there's people that have made a great living on this and still do and have... um Expose certain things that maybe never would have. But this, he said, she said, "Let me raid this rag and figure out what I believe." And oh, this is going to spoil the next seven months. Like, why, why do we live in this world? I think because everyone
1: that's a wrestling fan want because it's predetermined. Unlike real sports, you want to feel, and even people that follow real sports, everyone wants to feel like they're smarter than everyone else, that they know more than everyone else. And the rags and the dirt sheets are things that a small segment of the wrestling community actually reads like, yeah, Maltzer may have like tens of thousands of, subs- of subscribers, but when I mean, you consider there's millions of wrestling fans, it's very small. And the circle that we operate in, in terms of podcasting, you know, journalism for CBS tweeting about it. That's still a very small segment of the wrestling audience. I would guess that most wrestling fans watch the shows and that's it. And order are the pay-per-views? And they go on with their – it's content for them. That's what I'm trying – kind of what I was saying earlier. So it's this small segment that everyone wants the inside dirt. And let's not just act like this is a wrestling thing. Their, uh, Hollywood was built on gossip rags, okay, and, and Page Six in New York and The Hollywood Reporter and all these other organizations. So – This is entertainment. This is what the entertainment business is about. Everyone wants the inside scoop. Everyone wants to feel like they know everything. And with professional wrestling, because it's predetermined, you kind (laughs) of always want to be smarter than your friends.
0: I get that to a degree. If there was like one show a week, you know, let's say there was like a three hour show every week and everybody watched that wrestling show. And then you felt like you needed more. Okay. Sort of like how these people get. Yeah. You're one of them. People get so insanely addicted to things like big brother on CBS. My parents do where they tape every episode and. Like on, uh, they were taping it still on like VHS tapes up until like a year and a half ago. Okay, and then they, uh, I don't know, I'm like where are these tapes going? What are you doing with these tapes, parents? Like I don't get it. And then they would go online and watch like the live cams for hours. And like, I don't
1: do that. Wait, I just want to clarify. I do
0: not watch the live. Okay, yet. so like there's an appetite. I get that, but nowadays you couldn't possibly keep up with the amount of wrestling on there. It would have to be the only, you would have to not be a sports fan, barely watch any other TV shows, to be like a full-on, across-the-board-I-watch-everything guy. There's almost no need for that. Like, i am a been a boxing fan for years. There are times when boxing, just week to week, there's just not news items to talk about. There's just not fights to see so you people get so into the business and in, in the contract signings and the negotiations the kind of stuff that shouldn't be entertainment but is because you need more i don't need more all right yeah, i don't some... want to be spoiled why do we live in this world where it's like oh i gotta find out who's gonna make that big reveal at SummerSlam? coming no i want to watch SummerSlam. i don't want to be under my bed sheets angry afterwards
1: but sometimes that stuff is even more entertaining than the product like Okay, we, we know the story about Sasha Banks leaving was largely BS. Maybe she wasn't happy and wanted time off or whatever, but her apparently threatening to quit and all that stuff, it seems like that's BS, right? But that was more entertaining than the product was coming out of WrestleMania. Like, where is Sasha? We talked about it on this podcast over and over again. We, I think we had two pay-per-view previews previously where we're like, oh, Sasha's definitely going to debut here and cost Becky the title and all this stuff. And that was fun because you know Why? Becky Lynch and Natalia isn't exciting without us thinking about whether <laughs> Sasha Banks is going to be there. So that's why. And and I think there's good and bad for dirt sheets. And uh, some of it is bad when it's a lot of speculation. But guys like Dave, guys like Mike Johnson, PW Insider, um, to a smaller extent, certain other people that have made a name for themselves recently, when they report just straight news, they generally get it right. And I appreciate them doing that job. But the speculation is unnecessary. In this case, there was a hurricane down here. Kevin Owens flew down to Florida to be with his family, which is why he wasn't on SmackDown last week and or the week before. I don't remember. And if you don't have Owens there, there's no reason to have Shane there because for some reason they're still running this program.
0: Well, let's talk about this program because it's interesting. Um, it, I, watching it live, it was lame. It, even though Shane was good this episode, the Gable match was good. I didn't need, uh, again, somebody as the celebrity ref in this feud. And then I didn't need, like, KO getting fired for now. what seems like the seventh time in this feud. But, so I came out of that show going, oh, like, what are we doing here? Like, Shane, you're ruining it. Like, why, like, what is happening here? Is he forcing himself? Maybe somebody's got to get a rag out to find out. Is he forcing himself on the air? Is Shane just, uh, Vince just feel bad? And he goes, oh, Shane, do whatever you want on that brand. No one watches it anyway yet. I don't right. know what's going on. But then I hear you or I read you. The the SK rant uh, on our own internal Slack channel where SK has his own rag system going on. You're like, oh well, maybe KO is going to NXT. I'm like, what? what?" I'm like, I never even. Well, there's reasoning for that. I go, I never even really really thought of that. And then I start thinking, you know, when we had Adam Cole on here, you you talked him up about his friendship with KO, and then I'm like, oh yeah, in prior years, people had sort of said, hey, what about KO with Undisputed Era? And then I sort of got back into my own. um, you know, waking up to NXT is actually going to be a legitimate third brand. It's going to have its own TV show, everything we always wanted for it. So going there is not a demotion. Could we have KO who's again doing nothing but getting in this quasi Steve Austin character mode and then feuding with Shane and getting fined and fired every week. Could he go where the booking is great, where the, where the, where the food tastes great and the, and everything matters again. Can he have steak? Where his family lives
1: where he likes being, he's such a family man. That's like, and a he's an indie part of- dude
0: and he's already tasted the, you know, the, the taste of what it's like on the big pay-per-views and who's saying he still can't be there under the NXT banner. Cause we don't know yet. Are they going to, you know, are they going to eventually say, Hey, NXT's so good. Let's put it on the main pay-per-views. We have no idea yet where that's going, but does this tell you in your wrestling heart that, that this is going somewhere great for, if you love NXT and KO.
1: So first of all, I, I didn't pull that completely out of my arse. So, after SmackDown, Owens tweeted 14, 24, 20, which if you break it down in the alphabet, the 14th letter of the alphabet is N, the 24th is X, and the 20th is T. And I didn't come up with that. People replied to his tweet. I saw one immediately that said that. I looked it up to double check. It's correct. Um, so I'm not just saying he's going to go there. Uh, you know, He tweeted something that basically makes it seem like that and then today he tweeted a picture of his daughter holding hands with Tommaso Ciampa, which in look in what looks like Disney world. So there's a lot of Orlando and NXT stuff circulating around Owens. And if we're being honest, they need an injection of talent in NXT, not saying they don't have a lot, but the main event scene is kind of dry because you have Velveteen Dream is probably the heir apparent, not really there yet. Um, I think Owens with Adam Cole as either a feud or as a part of Undisputed Era makes a lot of sense. But. Before we get to that, which we're going to do in a special show that we're going to talk about coming up, um, I liked this angle as it was presented on TV. I thought everything I said regarding Shane and Owens being the special guest referee was smart because it was a callback. It may not have been exciting or new, but at least it wrapped up some ends or, or tied up some loose ends that we didn't really have. But if we're being honest about SmackDown, SmackDown has been pretty terrible. They've basically ruined a Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton angle that was hot fire at, and going into SummerSlam and should have continued to be. And even though they did a nice callback to MSG with the boom drop from, you know, a, a guardrail onto a table, it still was kind of boring to me. The Roman Reigns D- Daniel Bryan angle that never happened now includes Eric Rowan. No one really cares about that. Uh, the Bailey Charlotte Flair thing is OK, except. They turn Bailey heel, and she's not really a heel. She's kind of a tweener. And then you have Mandy Rose come out and cut what truly was one of the worst promos I can remember on WWE TV. I'm hot, you're ugly. Like, terrible in quite some time. So SmackDown as a whole has been very poor um, for the last two weeks, in my opinion. And even prior to that, Raw was killing it in terms of overall quality, week-to-week, storylines that make sense, entertainment value, etc um there was a huge shakeup. we haven't talked about it the names don't really matter brian they took the lead writer of raw moved him over to smackdown i believe took the lead writer of 205 live moved him over to raw he's paul Heyman likes this guy a lot so maybe there's going to be some changes here with um fox coming up but they're they understand that there have been writing problems on this in this company and it looks like they're trying to fix it for me this was at least something that was Pretty decent coming out of SmackDown. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, look, if you put the Raw writer on SmackDown, that shows that you're ready to stop this mindless charade of, of reportedly from these frickin' rags that Vince <laughs> tears up the SmackDown uh, script, you know, an hour before the show every week, which you see that. You see the results of that. You see yeah. all those feuds you just mentioned that had potential, and now we're just like, what? But I did, I, by the way, I did really enjoy that Kingston Orton thing we'll get into that in the preview of their match but I didn't hate on that but yeah uh, let's hope this works out well let's hope they're put Look, I'll get I'll give them the pass until the, the Smackdown launch and we sort of said that the last few months as there was obvious yeah. changes they panicked and put Heyman and, and Bischoff's name out there for, for whatever that was worth to, to calm people down we saw some positive changes it's, it is one step forward a half step back a lot of times but get it right when we go live on Fox because you're going to have that window where people are going to, look, they're going to, it still matters. I, I know, like, I hear so many people going, oh, it doesn't, does live TV even matter anymore? My kid's 17 years old and he's, we haven't had cable his whole life. All he has is Netflix. Yeah. That, for that generation still, but like, old people, okay. People basically my age and up washed. Yeah. They're washed. A, B, they grew up in the TV generation. So that's all they know. And C, um, I've I've adapted. I've cut the cord, all that weird stuff. But there's so many people 50 and up that have no idea what the hell that stuff even means. And right. they just sit every night in front of their TV, and that's their entire life. They're going to fall and stumble into SmackDown Live. So it, it let's get it. Let's just get it right before then, please. And nope. let's go big. Let's capitalize on the boom. Let's right. do this thing. Let's go PG-13 and a half, and let's do this thing.
1: No, you're right. And coming out of that, um, it looks like they are going to do, reportedly, according to the Dirt Sheets and Rags, uh, a WWE draft. Not a superstar shakeup, but an actual draft beginning October 16th on SmackDown uh, and then finishing, I think, the following Monday on Raw, which we have said on the show is badly needed. Well, right? this
0: is their chance to actually do it right. They came close in 2016. Ahead of that draft, it was big news because it was yep. the—it yes. it had been the first one since 2011 I was at ESPN at the time. Remember Peter Rosenberg and I doing these uh, podcasts and stories where we each drafted our own side, and you know it was like it was like a big deal back then. But what we said ahead of there was like, "Let please do it like real sports," and they almost did, but then they still WWE eat it up. And look, I'd almost like a draft special, like what I the the thing I hate the most about the draft is it's like, well, we're going to draft. This right now, oh, and then let's go to a meaningless match right now because they feel like that's <laughs> going to hold... See, we the- drafted this guy. It's a main event or
1: he's going to cut a quick promo. He's done. We drafted this low-card guy. Okay, go be in a match and win because you're now on
0: Raw. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you know what they've done since then with the haphazard superstar shakeups and how, like, oh, we're back from commercial and just to let you know, four more guys are on Raw. It's like, you know, it just makes no sense. Um, If it's Fox now, it's Sports Feel. Do a Sports Feel. Do the best thing that they ever did, which was... During that draft, they had the simulcast on the WWE network of sort of the behind the scenes, yep. and yep. they had those shoe interviews, which of yep. course gave us the one of the <laughs> sorry, which one gave us one of the uh, all time best ridiculous. Do I even still have it on the soundboard there, uh, Kalisto's lucha thing? I don't. But not lucha. only the Kalisto Lucho thing, lucha thing, the things woo. It gave us uh, that, that Cesaro one where he, like, stood up for himself and was, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. go real yeah. sports, please. It's, you're on Fox. It matters. Let's do it. Thanks. That's all right. it. That's, that's my platform. That's what I stand for.
1: no you're totally right. All right. A couple other quick items before we get to our Clash of Champions preview. Um, it was reported by Meltzer, actually. Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Rey Mysterio were all given the ability to do unscripted promos on Raw. Very easy question. Did you notice?
0: Uh, no, I did not notice. Uh, you're okay. saying Bailey
1: Bailey Sasha Banks and Ray Mysterio I did for Bailey and, and Banks I thought they were very good
0: no I don't even remember what they said so that, that could it could be on me it could be on them. not really sure okay um, I did like and- that Ray Mysterio though match so he doesn't have a match at class champions right
1: no, he doesn't. But, yeah, uh, having Grand Metalik on I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, show.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a classic, but that was just entertainment. It was pure entertainment. And then I think Ray's tooth got kicked out. I think, you know, Metalik sat on his head. I mean, there was some violence in there.
1: Metalik's great. If they actually could take him out of Lucha House Party and let him be a singles competitor and allow him to speak and, you know, be in an angle, uh, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, most likely. Uh, at least that's how I believe it. Um, we also had... Steve Austin and The Undertaker show up for these MSG shows. Raw seemed pretty close to sold out. They said it was. It wasn't. SmackDown wasn't. Um, What do you think about WWE's return to MSG and bringing those two guys? Did did you need them? Did either of them deliver for you?
0: So I'm a big MSG mark. I always say that for all all sports concerts, the circus, whatever's going on. Giant MSG mark. It matters to me. It was okay. Uh, You know, the Austin side of it worked. You know, and I want to bring up part of, uh, uh, you know, the backside of Austin. Well, not not necessarily that that backside. I'm not really into that. But uh, um, book, you know, uh, what the hell am I talking about? MSG Mark. I'm talking about book ending, book ending him gotcha. on the show. It just reminded you of him feeling special, of him just throwing down beer and stuff. I mean, that kind of stuff. It made it feel like, oh, we're back at MSG, and this matters. But no, the rest of it did nothing. To tell you the truth, SmackDown didn't even feel like MSG at all. And having Taker come out and and just Taker it up. And look, Sami Zayn did almost save it. Sami Zayn did Sami Zayn stuff. And it was fine. But it was obviously predictable and telegraphed. And not necessarily in the good predictable way. And it just sort of was what it was. It was a little bit of business. At least Steve got involved in real storylines to a degree. And you could have loved the opening part of Raw better than the end of Raw. I'm not really sure. but. It just felt big to have him back, but in general, I don't know. I almost would have liked that to be played up more special and then have super special episodes to really match what it is. It's like, look, they haven't been there in 10 years. They do house shows there. Those house shows are big business, in and, and they're, they're anticipated and all that. But, dude, they don't go back for papers. They don't go back to anything. I almost wish they could have saved or would have saved this until AEW was lost. La- you know what I mean? Until, like, the war, quote-unquote, war was on to really use this to jack up more interest on the launch of Fox and all that. I do have a DM slide related to this, Adam. So get ready for this. Kentucky long rifle. What is that? An email? No, John, it's a DM slide. Uh, you know, Mike Cruoglio? Yes. Mike cruoglio mm-hmm. Part of the family, right? Good, good, oh, good dude. I'm not sure if he's into comedy like Adam X Parsons, but he's probably a pretty good dude. He's read his name a lot. He says, raw at MSG felt like a televised house show. Ending the show with a 10-minute tag match was only put in that position to pop the crowd with an Austin beer bash. Don't get me wrong. If I was there, I would have popped for it. But the majority of people watching are not live in attendance. Love that, Mike. Back to the DM. The women's tag match should have been the main event, which still would have popped the live crowd and also actually have people who will be heavily involved in Clash of Champions. Granted, Cedric Alexander got the pin, which could mean something for the U.S. title. But is it worth sacrificing a crowd pop for ending the show on a match, that means nothing. Hey, very fair stuff. He's speaking the thoughts that were in my brain, Adam, which is when I watched Raw on tape delay, what the hell is this 10-man tag match? What are we? What is this, the dark match main event? What are we doing here? So no, all in all, it didn't really live up to MSG. Yeah, he nailed it. It, it's, it felt like a... Ha-
1: so SmackDown did not feel like MSG, like you said. It just felt like it was... In another arena in Poughkeepsie or, or somewhere Sun, else, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it, so. WWE A needs to stop running, you know, two nights back to back in the same venues, which it seems like they're doing. Even MSG B, when they go to MSG, you're going to MSG to be at MSG. You're not going to recoup your money. You gotta lower your ticket prices. You can't be charging an arm and a leg for people to go on a Monday night during football season when there's two Monday night games, Monday night football games going head to head with you. You cannot expect them to go shell out, you know, $300 for a lower level ticket at Raw. It's just not going to happen. And yes, when you do go to MSG, exactly what you said, you need to deliver a memorable show so that people want to go back and are excited about it on TV. I got to be honest, Brian, watching it, MSG, not seeing the side entrance, the little short thing from the side, it felt like a normal arena to me. Um, The stairways were really large, and it took up big portions of the camera side. So I saw, like, two big stairways and just a little bit of crowd in the middle. That seemed weird to me. The show was good. I thought Raw was good. But you're right. The main event didn't really mean anything. And these were go-home shows to a pay-per-view. And this is the second time in a row that the go-home shows were just kind of like, eh, like it's they just not, up it's media. not,
0: it's poor planning because here's the deal like doing the MSG and bringing the, the interest in the promos and giving people guests on your show to prop it up and announcing you're having Steve Austin there. Like it matters. So in this competitive time in wrestling, mixed with what you said, two Monday night football games, the opening week of football, like there's real competition. If you hadn't had the BS Raw reunion recently, you could have really played this up to be a giant deal. We're back at MSG for the first time since back in the day when all these guys used to be here. And half of the show could have been, okay, let's play up the big-class champion storylines, and the other half could have been the kind of stuff, the, the rare good stuff we get out of those reunion shows. Now we're oversaturating the market on reunion shows. The first SmackDown episode in L.A. for Fox is going to be a 20th anniversary. Whatever. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's crap. It really is crap.
1: And, and really, they, the main event of the show, the point was to put over Cedric Alexander. And I know that he ran out of time, and they've been doing that lately on WWE because they now have the sharp, you know, sharp stop. They don't do the overrun anymore. But he gets over AJ Styles. They play his music for five seconds. <laughs> and then Austin's music hits. He runs down to the ring, and they have a beer bash. And in the field spot later in the show, there's a moment from that that really popped me that was great. But if you're going to have that match, which is relatively meaningless. And you're going to have Cedric Alexander beat AJ Styles, which is leading to a match on Clash of Champions. And this guy's getting a huge reaction from the crowd for doing it. Why don't you play his music, have him grab the mic and say, AJ, this is the second time I beat you, or whatever. I challenge you at Clash of Champions, throw the mic down, the crowd pops again. Then you have Austin's music hit. Like, give the guy a moment. You're trying to put him over. Instead, he wins and immediately Austin comes out. So it was... Failed execution for
0: it me. It was. And I'm trying to be optimistic until the launch on Fox before I, when I'm going to get really critical because it's critical time when yeah. that happens. But man, some of this stuff is just, it's just shitty. Can yeah. I say that uh, on I, the show? It's shitty. Yeah. Shiitake. Shiitake. Shukaki. It's, it's just, it's, <laughs> I don't know the, about that one. Where's the revival when we need it? Mean, come on? I mean, it's just, <laughs> That's a deep cut for some right, some just, listeners. Uh no, no, it's just it just kind of just kind of watered down and it sucks. Just get it right. All right? Get it right.
1: I agree. Two more quick headlines before we get to Clash of Champions. One, Rick Flair, the man, says he plans to sue WWE for royalties on the man since they're pl- not planning to give it to him. Uh do you think he has a case? Yes or no?
0: I think he might and, I, and hearing his TMZ interview, uh, it could be easy to laugh at this, but here's two points from that. He does have a few of these phrases trademarked, like, to be the man, which is the name of his book that he mentioned, and is obviously one of his iconic phrases, and it seems like the root of his anger is that WWE Legal is, like, pissing on him. Like, they're not even returning his calls. They're just like, uh, did you die yet? Because, you know, we don't, we don't have time for this. So I get why he's suddenly embattled, embattered, plus he's an old guy who seems like he's getting on these runs lately a lot. Remember when he was mad at Shawn Michaels for a week? Remember when he, he apologized was...
1: apologized for that, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think he might have a case. It's just weird, though, because we know Becky is, or at least was, I'm not sure now, like best friends with Charlotte, his daughter. We know Rick's been so supportive of the women's movement. It's not like this is anti-women. This is anti-WWE, but it's, it's right. weird that we're at this point. It really is weird to me. Uh, but, yeah, I think that if you're WWE, why do you want these bad headlines? Throw this guy a... Uh, Throw him something, right? You know, he's always got money problems. Throw him a little, throw him a loaded briefcase. Dude, it, here's the deal with WWE right now, which makes the, we're not going to have pyro because it's too expensive type of argument. Just ish. Just, just it's shit. joke. Shit. Can I say shitty? Yes, you already did. Just shitty. Um, You got, you're bleeding money. Like you're, you're at, like you're, you're, you're defecating money. Pay off everyone. <laughs> Didn't Jimmy Snooker kill a woman? Well, we may have to edit that part after, too. I mean, come on. You've covered up everything. Get Send this off Saudi. my timeline. Send him, Send him to Saudi and give him a million dollars. Let him trip. kill I Just kill someone. Sacrifice somebody to make him happy, please. This is Ric Flair, for crap's sake. Why are we doing this?
1: Here's the deal. He applied for the trademark, right? No one has the trademark. If he gets it, they owe him money, period. If he doesn't get it, they give him something on the side. Rick, here's 50K, like. Thanks. Well, we are going to keep using it. And if we do anything major with it, we'll give you another 50 K 50 K is a drop in the bucket. I'm sure he would appreciate it. His whole point is he wants his wife when he is eventually gone to be able to keep profiting off his name and likeness because she's been there for him. And you know what? That's respectable and totally deserved. And yeah, Becky being the man, a large part of that is because of the phrase to be the man. You got to beat the man. She's saying, I'm the champ. I'm the man, right? So it is playing off that. Rick did, whether you want to say invent it, He in 1981, apparently he says he started it in 89 is the first time it was used on TV. Well, that's 30 plus years ago. So give the man his credit, and I'm calling him the man, uh, and give him some dough on top of it. Don't make a big thing out of it. It's apparently not Vince. It's not Paul. It's WWE's like lawyer that he has a problem with. That's fine. WWE, you know where Rick Flair can go and be the man? AEW. Keep him happy.
0: Don't let him go on to <laughs> AE.TVT <laughs> no, manager right. or anything else. Just give him some dollars and let him chill. And by the way, let's not like act like it's some rogue legal guy. It's Vince McMahon in the end because everything <laughs> in that company channels up. I, You and I've dealt with the company at times for certain legitimate Vince reasons. Is specifically saying, You think Vince is specifically saying, screw Rick, don't give him 100K? Uh, here's the I, thing about no. Vince. Let's be honest here. He's going to outlive all of his competitors. And I know Correct. that Rick's in the family and he went to WWE and Charlatan and all this stuff. But. Rick's an original competitor, and it it must be weird for those guys for Cody. We've heard him get mad at sort of sort of the way WWE honors Dusty and in and, and that they own rights to it. It is I don't want to say unfair. I mean Vince won the war. He owns everything. He bought WCW for dirt cheap and all the likenesses. But all of these things, like war games, like to be the man, like all the stuff. Vince didn't create that stuff. That was the pure competitors going against him. So the fact that because he's going to outlive everybody, at him because he's got the strongest HGH and he owns every rights to everything, he gets to profit <laughs> off it for the rest of his life. It's got to be hard for those guys who are like, I'm thankful that I had seasons with Vince later in my career and that he's been great to me. But I created this stuff, not Vince. And I know it's I- probably whatever, would any entertainers gone through when the record company uh screws them out of you know money they don't even own their own catalog that's why you need Suge Knight all right
1: so I agree in general but winners write the history books and Vince McMahon to this point is the big winner and has been the big winner you may not like how he gets there but he's won over and over and over again and it's really his prerogative let's get dark
0: at all right, at dark, Adam. All right. Uh, over under on Vince's life expectancy are you thinking right now like yeah,
1: I think I think he outlives Tony Khan.
0: Like 101, You're, is, is that le- is that a legitimate over under number? Considering his mom's in her late 90s 11? and he's a spiteful bastard. This guy, <laughs> he's just gonna he's gonna linger. All right, 111 maybe 111. Uh-huh. Yeah, but well, by, by the time they may we may have the technology where he could just live in a frozen tank and his brain can keep working and calling the shots. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All right, I all right one more thing, and then we're gonna get out of here um, and into WWE Clash of Champions preview. Uh, AEW, BC, let's move off WWE briefly. They have announced Jon Moxley, Kenny Omega, and Chris Jericho Cody for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship at their next pay-per-view full gear. It's a couple questions. One, what do you think about them announcing these matches for this show, and are you ready to pay 49 or $59 for another one of these pay-per-views?
0: Uh, I got to be honest and say I'm not paying anything, so that's always it, hard to to be the voice of this.
1: You're, imagine you're the the customer.
0: I mean, I've and I've you know I've had illegal cable boxes a long time, or I've worked for major uh, entertainment companies. So it's I've really never paid for pay per views. It's like a dark, dirty secret. But all right, let's let's act like I may have or might. First of all, I see
1: your be. expense reports from time to time. You do pay for some. I mean, CBS ultimately does, but.
0: You're... Um, I, I would love if this was all revealed on their weekly TV show through real storylines and developments. And I get that people are like, what are you doing? Well, look, they also have to sell houses. And I know that, like, we've, it's, 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 uh, pot in the kettle because we get mad at WWE doing the same thing. Why would they announce that this is going to happen on Raw tonight? Why can't it be a surprise? Well, they, because they want you to watch Raw live. That's why. So that's sort of just part of the, the part of how it works. But did you ask me specifically about the, the, the Cody element of this going against Cody oh, Yeah, coaching.
1: I mean, I didn't I didn't specifically get to it, but that was what I was going to come back with, which is they're saying wins and losses matter. Apparently, Cody's getting the match because he has the best win-loss record of a male singles competitor or something like that, but they're also, like, counting. They, they were doing their standings. They're counting Moxley's uncensored win as a real match, even though it was <laughs> not uncensored, not unsanctioned, uh, even though it, they made it very clear it wasn't supposed to be a match. Cody, what, has two singles wins, maybe three, and they already announced that the first AEW title offense defense was going to be on the TV show which precedes this pay-per-view so they're announcing a title match so make sense of this for me is this good booking to me to me it's even more examples that AEW is not ready for primetime.
0: we don't know I don't know and, and I know well, you're protecting AEW again well let's be honest here is it bad booking no I don't think it's bad booking you have to have that first show matter. so if you're gonna put a title shot title match on that first show I'm not against that and there's been a lot of people getting mad at the idea of Cody getting the next title shot and I think people like you, Silver King, just want to hate this guy. And that's fine. I decision. don't want to hate him. You do want to hate him. You do want to hate him. He, he rubs you the lot. wrong way. He has arrogance because he's he's a maverick and he's gotten to a certain level that and you never liked him to begin with. So you want to hate him. And that's fine. I don't love everybody. So between
1: not liking some like, you say not liking like I hate. There's a there's a difference. I didn't think he's a great wrestler. So true or false? Anytime didn't, he didn't much to me. True or That's false?
0: True. Anytime somebody drops Cody-related news into our private work Slack channels, you say "F Cody" as a response.
1: I do not say that. I more or less. Mind. More or less. No, I do not. Say, I never say that.
0: Uh, if Brandy, I say that about I say that about someone else at AEW, but not Cody. All right. Well, I'm all in, Brandy, on wrestling or whatever else you got for me. Just so you know. But um, look, Cody's a star. OK, he's a giant star. And guess what? We haven't seen him against Chris Jericho yet. So that matters. But you know why it matters most, why this is a smart move? Because Cody's the best storyteller they have right now. And in the end, Adam, yes, star names will get people in the building, a really good product will keep people there. But telling stories is how you get all of that together. Cody's storytelling with his brother, with the perfect 10 guy who I can't believe I would ever care about for a hot second outside of his beautiful wife. um. Cody is operating at such an extremely high level that having a Cody Jericho feud for the world title where you know they're going to commit all the resources to getting you fired up for it and getting you fired up for the hook of the story and that may cancel out Jericho's physical limitations at this age. I'm up for it. I don't get why people are like, "Oh, look, he's being exactly like Triple H." Well, dude, he owns a damn company or whatever. He's like executive, whatever, of the company, and he's still in his physical prime and is figuring out how great he can be as a performer. What do you want him to sit in the back? I don't. I don't no, really no, understand no. that.
1: I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It's just they're talking about they do this whole speech about it being like close to real sports and wins and losses matter. The guy is like two. He has like, three wins, like, two singles
0: and a tag okay, match win. They have.
1: They have they're going to have like like. Five or six shows before they get there, so why don't you wait three weeks or you know until your show starts and have them win a number one contenders' match with someone else who maybe by that point has a two and zero record or because whatever if they the don't case. sell
0: advanced tickets there's no one no one's gonna be there.
1: you're saying the full gear
0: well Mo- they announced moxley omega that's enough all right all right i mean look if if that's an argument to are they screwing up the booking and they're not ready for prime time? no, if they it come just, out it and the show sucks,
1: feels it just all feels to me like it's amateurish it just does it, it, it i'm just being honest like i, I think there are po- many positives to take away from aew from what we've seen with, of the product so far but if we're being completely honest and i discussed it last week uh, or i don't even remember if it was last week or two weeks ago when we were reviewing all out i got a lot of positive uh tweets about the criticisms of you know the way the show is booked the dog all the stuff i said i think it's fair to criticize them and say look if you want to be real sports or as close to real sports as possible, you can't do things like count an unsanctioned match or say X is going to happen and then Y happens or back-to-back major shows have one of your two major matches not happen on them. And, yes, it happens to WWE, but it happens to WWE once in a four-year period, not two times their first two major shows. So I'm just saying well, – like, can't, I mean, look, they, can't, they can't predict the bad luck
0: of injuries and, and no, of Neville sport, being a dick. But,
1: but this is another example of them announcing a, a match – and just kind of being like, why is this happening? When in November, by the time we get to November, they're going to be four or five weeks into their television program already. That's uh, right. what I'm getting. Uh,
0: yeah, but dude, like they're they're taking their stars and they're using them. I mean, like Cody Jericho is a big deal.
1: Well, their biggest star they have in a angle where he can't win. And uh, it's a pretty terrible angle.
0: So I don't know. You know what? Silver King, you should just not watch it. I don't, I kinda it makes don't you very it. upset, you should just because every time like every time there 's a e w news i 'll reveal the fourth the, the fourth wall here the curtain pull it i 'll show you them the sausage i 'm showing them the sausage right now i actually here 's a piece of meat they all may enjoy adam um you always write like AEW sucks. I hate AEW. That's not so. Why do you even watch it? That is not That's false. But that's not false. It, it happens all the time, and you, it's L O L F A W. Or, it's LOL, it, or it's I hate It's, LOL, it's an L O L, or it's a rolling my eyes. It's all right, not when it's the bad. Cody match got announced, full disclosure, you wrote AEW effing sucks. I hate them.
1: I did not say that. That is total not. That's not true at all. That's a fabrication. All right, I'll get the screenshots and I'll get put, it. I'll put them it. on
0: the State of Combat. Uh, uh, That's a complete
1: fabrication. Twitter Brian, uh, what's not, what's not, what was also a fabrication, actually, was my promise on last week's show at the very end, last few minutes, that we would have Sean Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid, on this show. It's not that we didn't talk to him. I promised it would be Wednesday. Instead, BC, why don't you tell the people what is happening Sunday into Monday?
0: Yeah, so, uh, it's the Clash of Champions on Sunday night. Let's hope it's a, uh, a tape review that delivers, but the State of Combat will deliver no matter what with post instant analysis. But we don't stop there. Whether you are an all nighter like Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair and Nick Costos, or whether you wake up Monday morning for your commute, you're going to get our instant thoughts on Clash of Champions and a pair of must listen interviews when the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. And Paul Triple H Levesque. Stop by this show and get you fired up about NXT's move to television, USA Network, debuting next Wednesday, eight PM Eastern. We're fired up for that. Very good chat, by the way, with HBK, not just about NXT, but anytime you get a legend like that, you can go eighty-six directions and uh we got a little, little Brett. We talk a little Brett. Got a little Brett action on the timeline there. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. Uh you're gonna want to see that show. You're going to want to listen to it, maybe, and get yourself fired up for it. Thanks. That's all I got. Absolutely. I think Oh, that's and Adam, enough. I got a lot of hate. You said people agreed with it. People hated me after that uh, show. They say I was way, we were way, 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 way too harsh on Jericho and Paige. Interesting. Uh, I think and, 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 you know, people like Meltzy have backed it up and been like, oh, it was a great match. No, it wasn't a great match. It really wasn't. Okay. It was And the timing really wasn't great either, but uh, especially people in the arena. And I get that. You're in the arena. You want things to win. You want things to happen. It is a different experience, but.
1: For sure. And we do have this WWE Clash of Champions preview coming up next, BC. But before we get to it, gotta pay the bills. We're going to hear briefly from our friends and sponsors.
0: WWE Clash of Champions is upon us this Sunday in the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports is here to get you caught up and fired up. I am Brian Campbell. With me from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, is the Silver King himself, Adam Silverstein. And Adam, listeners of the State of Combat podcast may be hearing this right now. A reminder for them to head on over to YouTube, watch our mugs break this card down this Sunday I don't want to say this is an in-between card on paper, Adam. One thing this card does have big potential to do, though, if the booking gets creative, if we see multiple title changes, this pay-per-view in a sneaky sort of way could end up being the signal changer, the beginning of a new run as WWE makes some big moves in the next month or two, NXT going to mainstream TV, SmackDown moving live on Fox on Friday nights. You could see some big creative changes that begin on Sunday.
1: Yeah, that's the key. This may set the stage for the new era of WWE, if you want to call it that. Because let's not forget, one day after SmackDown debuts, live on Fox—I should say two days, I'm sorry—is the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So that ends up being the go-home show for Hell in a Cell. And if if that's going to be the case, you kind of want those storylines starting right now, one month prior. And I think— Clash of Champions, as you said, all 11 main roster titles are on the line. It gives WWE that opportunity for a reset. The card may not be absolutely loaded, but there's a lot of matches on it, in my opinion, that are top tier. Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks, Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman, the culmination, we hope, of the Kofi Kingston against Randy Orton storyline. Those are matches that you would have on a SummerSlam, potentially even a WrestleMania, and they are happening on Clash of Champions. The rest of the card may not be as strong, but there are some big names and big bouts on the show, BC. Are you excited to see those happen? Does it feel to you that maybe Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks is being rushed a little bit, or is Clash of Champions really what we should expect from a pay-per-view with this type of name and at this point in the calendar year?
0: That's what's interesting is I don't know. I, I'm a little underwhelmed on the build, but you just sort of nailed it right there. The match quality, the potential is huge on this. This has big-time pay-per-view, pay-per-view expectations if some of that big booking happens, if some of the big changes happen. Look, let's not joke around. What we do here on the State of Combat sometimes is book the damn territory. We sit down and preview this card like we're about to do in a few seconds and sort of say, hey, what if this happens? What if they go in this direction? This could be big business. You could see a new change, a new direction. Let's hope this Sunday we do see that. But let's kick it off right there. You got any pre-show matches for me to tell you that I only need about four hot minutes of?
1: Well, no, because they haven't designated any pre-show matches because, as we said, there's 11 titles on the line, or maybe it's 10 and a regular match. I have to count. Silver King isn't great at math. But where we're going to start this show off is with the one non-title match on the show. And that's Roman Reigns against Eric Rowan in a few, Brian, that it really looked like was going in the direction of Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, which is the two biggest names on the SmackDown brand, something that us as WWE fans and viewers have wanted again for a really long time. But they're giving us Eric Rowan instead. So why don't you tell me, do you care at all about this match, which, by the way, was recently made a stipulation of no disqualification?
0: Yeah, I care a lot. And I can't believe I'm saying that this day, this week, this year because this has been a bungled storyline. It had such big expectations. The whodunit, who was it? Roman Reigns is injured. Somebody's attacking him. Was it Buddy Murphy? They certainly activated our field spot for a short season there. But just what seemed to be the end game is what had us sticking with it. The idea that Roman Reigns and Brian, and Daniel O'Brien eventually will be in an all-star studded feud that would matter. I don't even know if we're going in that direction anymore. And the last three, four weeks, certainly are inexcusable for some of the pitfalls of this storyline. So why do I suddenly care about it? Because there was enough intensity in what they did on Tuesday's episode of SmackDown that almost made me want to and be willing to forget what came before it. I never would have guessed I wanted or needed Eric Rowan to say a word. In fact, I probably on this podcast within the last few weeks told you, this guy's muscle, this guy's a monster. Only let him be that. Don't give him a spotlight. Don't give him an opportunity. Well, what happened Tuesday? I kind of like the thesis of what his promo was about, saying, I don't listen to anybody else. I have my own voice. And then when you have a brawl with Roman Reigns coming out trying to get retribution, it spills into the crowd. You get a crowd bump. You get a fan bump. Of course, he's a little, you know, he was a, he was put in there on purpose. It's probably some. Five foot three local journeyman enhancement talent fellow, but he put on the Elias t shirt and he was a fan. And that moment popped me. And when that brawl just kept escalating and escalating, I'll tell you what happened Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan acted like it was a main event feud. And when you get performers that are doing that, you're going to take notice. They used the jib crane camera for a nice little spot there. Now suddenly, When Roman Reigns sat up at the end of that before they cut away and you saw the look in his eyes, how many times have we seen this and we go, look, you you failed. It's not for me. In that moment, Roman Reigns was speaking to me. He sort of woke up and realized maybe this guy's a tougher out than I thought. Now I want to see what they're doing with this storyline. Adam, if this is just a Roman Reigns-Superman win comeback, it's going to fall flat. It's going to be like his win over Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. It just didn't seem to make sense. Why are we doing this? But if they can go next level on what the larger picture is here and Rowan's role in this, we might have something.
1: I mean, that's what it feels like it's going to be to me, just like the Drew McIntyre, just like every other in-between Roman Reigns feud. And was was Rowan's pro in, promo good? Yeah, it was good. Was the brawl good? Yes, the, the fan plant spot, the powerbomb over the barricade. Yeah, that was really cool. But you know what they haven't done? They haven't given us any reason for eric rowan to have attacked roman reigns in the first place none 0.0 so because of that i really don't care about this match i think it's going to be a banger yeah no disqualification is great um seeing those guys tussle you know on the titantron area was fun and it's going to be hard hitting but if you tell me to predict this I predict Roman Reigns going over with a Superman punch and a spear, just like we always see before. Because I don't really see them going in any other direction. Maybe there's a way. I'll give you another direction. I'll book
0: the damn territory right now. I'll get your fire. Why do we feel like we can do that on this show and then we never see it on the screen? What's Rowan, a former member of the Wyatt family? What made the most sense when he was muscle for a diabolical, just evil person in Bray Wyatt, who's back? And he's more evil than ever. And he doesn't have a match on Sunday. And he's teasing that he has bigger picture stuff coming up, Bray Wyatt, in terms of universal championship runs. How about we have Rowan surprise you and go over Roman Reigns with the help of a Luke Harper? Remember that guy? Or just the help of Bray Wyatt the Fiend himself? And a little bit of a spoiler alert, Adam. Am I asking for a lot here? Yes. But we are going to Fox with SmackDown. Things need to start happening storyline-wise. Guess what's also going on in that main event? Seth Rollins against former Wyatt family member Braun Strowman. I'm just saying if this becomes a show that is taken over by Bray Wyatt and we kickstart a resurgence of the Wyatt family 2.0 and we have a dark, evil, diabolical crew, you know why I could have that optimism that something like this could happen? Because when Eric Rowan was backstage after attacking and beating Reigns down, started to act a little psychotic, started to just reference Roman's name over and over again, started to go in sort of a head trance. There's potential here to really make Bray Wyatt's new character matter. And if you reunite him with these muscle, these muscle guys, look, they could have made Braun Strowman a world champion. They actually still can on Sunday. Doesn't seem like that's the direction they wanna go. So put him back in the role in which he excelled violently and dominantly as a top heel. You feeling what I'm feeling? Because the BC's cooking right now. And if they're going to do what I just laid out, we're going to care. We're going to care big, Adam. I don't need a Roman Reigns Superman punch. Start this show with authority and get me fired up for what Bray Wyatt's trying to do. It's good booking, but the whole
1: promo was that he's not a follower anymore. He's a leader. He's his own man. So I don't really see him going back in something like that. And Really, I just think they bungled the entire storyline. I don't think they really knew what they were doing when they started it. Daniel Bryan not being part of it. Maybe it's a red herring. Maybe Daniel Bryan helps Eric Rowan get over Roman Reigns and and he cuts a promo that we're equals. He doesn't follow me. And it was all just to screw with Roman Reigns' head. Maybe that's what they do here. But other than that.
0: Hey, Hey, quick reminder, Adam. Guess who else is a former Wyatt family member? Dan O'Brien so can we get can we have fun here can we do this the right way please WWE
1: look you know I'm all about stables if they want to throw four or five guys in a group uh, and call them a stable and have it be under Bray Wyatt's tutelage that i'm fine with it but i just think more than anything wwe screwed this up and i don't know that they have a way to save it other than just kind of making eric rowan a singles competitor and having roman reigns beat him like he always does bc if there's going to be a match on this card that is going to be a kickoff show match i think it has to be the cruiserweight championship you have drew gulak defending against umberto carrillo and lince dorado um i think it's going to be an exciting match as all these 205 live matches are brian
0: but do you really care? I'm going to give you this, and when I do that, can you see that on the screen? You can't see that. I'm not four talking about, not talking about Tully and Arn, right? Not talking about Oli or Barry Windham, by the way. Who was the? It was really the glue of the of the best foursome there of the four horsemen. No, give me four hot minutes and get out of here. Who's the other guy? castillo carrillo i don't I, i'm sorry i've not been watching 205 i love it <laughs> i don't have i don't have 205 hours a week to watch all this stuff thank you it's, was that a diva move right there it might have been quasi diva right there
1: maybe just maybe just a little bit i think umberto carrillo has a huge future in wwe he has the look he can speak he is great in the ring but ultimately this is drew gulak retaining and moving on i really don't see anything else that they're going to do with it um I don't know what's going to happen to 205 Live long-term, BC. I think we're going to find out when NXT moves uh, Wednesday nights on USA Network for two hours live every week, beginning on Wednesday this upcoming week. Um, Maybe they end 205 Live. Maybe they bring these guys into NXT. But Creole, as I said, I think he has a big future. I don't think he needs the Cruiserweight Championship right now. So with that, let's move on to another match that may well be on the kickoff show. We just don't know because WWE has not announced it yet. It's that United States Championship match. It was just booked Monday after Raw between AJ Styles and Cedric Alexander got the big win in the 10-man tag team match. For a few that they really haven't built up, BC, are you excited to see what our boy, with maybe the best theme song in WWE right now, Cedric Alexander, can do against the phenomenal AJ Styles?
0: Uh, you're damn right. I mean, in the dark, I feel at home, Adam, just like Cedric. And here's the thing, like, the little that they've done with this feud, the chemistry, the potential has been Fantastic. Yeah, they did a little WWEifying to the ending of that that match in which they showed such strong in-ring chemistry for the for the couple minutes there with the club or the OC whatever you're going to call them the good brothers coming in and beating them down and then of course we saw Cedric go over. I'm not against Cedric going over again. Why? Because it may be time to free up AJ Styles for another big picture main title run, for big business, for a maybe a Brock Lesnar feud, something really upstairs, next level, a big thing. As we go over onto Fox, which will trigger rumors, at least, in an upcoming draft, where we're going to see the roster split up, and AJ Styles is going to be a major player on either brand. If you really want to give him the rub, wow, give Cedric that rub by having him beat AJ and let these guys go 17, 18 minutes at minimum because it's perfect. It's sort of like a new AJ Styles against an old one, and if you want to compare their working abilities – and when Cedric Alexander got that pin on Monday night before Steve Austin came out and sort of poured beer on his uh, parade, if you will, did you notice how much he put into it as a baby face to make that pin feel important and feels like it matters? What that showed you is that Cedric Alexander does the little things very, very well alongside with being a top-shelf worker. I mean, look, I thought Ricochet was going to kind of get this type of push and this type of rub, and he's close to it, and he's had a good run, but they could surprise me in a good way here by putting Cedric on top.
1: I completely agree. I think with the introduction of the Viking Raiders kind of teaming up with him and the babyfaces Monday night on Raw, they set up a scenario where now the OC can be neutralized in this match. Normally, if you have a three-man group going up against a singles competitor in a, in a match like this, you always know how it's going to end, really. The the face is going to get really, really, really close to winning. Then the, the two other partners, usually the tag team, comes out, stops the ref from counting. Something happens. There's an interference And the guy ultimately retains the title. Well, having the Viking Raiders somewhat involved in this storyline, I think counteracts the Good Brothers and gives Cedric Alexander that one-on-one opportunity to actually beat AJ Styles. And as you said, AJ Styles right now is kind of holding the mid-card title and keeping it warm. The U.S. Championship is really the number two mid-card title in WWE. This guy is a main eventer. He should be competing with the Rollins and the Braun Strowman on SmackDown the top names over there the Daniel Bryan and the Roman Reigns etc so he did a good job in this role the fact that the Good Brothers no longer have the Raw tag team titles kind of tells me AJ Styles doesn't need the United States Championship for them to continue being over as a group and a quasi-faction if you want to call it that so I agree with you BC I have Cedric Alexander taking the title here and I think it's going to be one of the few really big surprises at Clash of Champions
0: Let's see. I hope for it. Let's get a few baby-faced pops here. Let's see some belts change hands. What do we got next? We got
1: the Intercontinental Championship match with Shinsuke Nakamura defending his title against The Miz. And I feel the exact opposite about this match as I do about the one we just discussed. I do not care one iota about this, I think, the addition of Sami Zayn with Shinsuke Nakamura has been a complete bungle, basically telling the audience, hey, this guy, he's Japanese, he doesn't speak the language very well, so we feel the need to inject Sami Zayn into it. And then on the other side, they have The Miz basically beating everyone, Andrade, Cesaro, like he's suddenly this incredible wrestler as he prepares to go up against Shinsuke Nakamura. And we don't see Nakamura really wrestling at all, BC. So are you more excited about this match for me? And who do you think ultimately wins?
0: No, I'm not really excited about this at all. You nailed how bad the build has been, but there's two reasons why I think it's smart to actually go with the title changing hands here with The Miz. You heard them mention what you see on the graphic now on Tuesday night's episode of SmackDown. The Miz can win his ninth IC title, which would tie him for the record. Notice who they did not mention owns the record right now. One, Chris Jericho, who's working for the competitor across the street at AEW, and really by the day is sort of, distancing himself from being a WWE company guy and is certainly all in, if you will, on being a competitor. Kind of makes sense to get Miz, a guy who's really established himself as a Hall of Fame life for a company man, a guy who's been through the wars and back, establish him with tying that record and eventually taking it. But a little bit more importantly, when you're going to SmackDown uh, live on Fox on Friday nights and you're getting in people's living rooms who haven't watched wrestling in years or maybe never at all, Not a bad idea to put your best talkers front and center in key roles. Having Miz potentially as the IC champion there and slowly, subtly transitioning back into a a full-on heel role might be the best use of him, might be the best business you can have. He could legitimately be a core face should he end up on the blue brand as they go live in primetime on Friday night with sort of the NFL lead in there uh, in terms of marketing each week to, to get people to notice that brand. I could see this easily happening.
1: Let's not forget that Miz, right now at least, is a Raw guy. This is a SmackDown title. He also has the Miz and Mrs. show on USA Network. So I have a feeling he's going to stay with that red brand for quite a while. For me, this is an opportunity to actually put Shinsuke Nakamura over in a match that matters a little bit. Even though I don't really like it, don't care for it much. I think Nakamura retains because he does have Sami Zayn's help miz doesn't really have anyone and really once they have nakamura retained they can set up a legitimate feud as we move into hell in a cell which is basically the debut of smackdown on fox maybe it's finn balor trying to get back you know and get and get his title back from nakamura and coming back refreshed from whether it was an engagement or a wedding we're not exactly sure but balor did take, take some time off so that's kind of the direction i think we're gonna go i feel like miz It's just a placeholder and a decent one uh, for a card like this. It's just they didn't really do a good job building this feud or storyline BC. So next we're going to move on to the women's tag team championship and if I'm being honest it is a delight to see this actually defended on one of these mid-pay-per-views WWE really seems to forget about it from time to time the reason they're not forgetting about it now though is because Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are the women's tag team champions and they're going to defend against fire and desire Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville do you see a title change happening here BC or is this really just the beginning of the Bliss cross-era as the women's tag team champs?
0: I think it should be the beginning. Unless they had giant plans to separate Bliss and go back in a singles run, and it's a real crowded area there at the top of the pool with the four horsewomen of of NXT now, you know, all those giant names. This is a great team to represent the brand. Bliss, such a great talker, such a great representative Cross the crazy worker that I think they defend and move on. And I don't think there's really been enough of a storyline for me to really care about if they do or not be really honest but they are great representatives if you want to push this title more to the forefront and give it a little bit more shine they're certainly better than the iconics who certainly played a comedic role in winning it at wrestlemania and representing it but if you want to have this be a little bit more serious this is the right team for it
1: well you're right because for as tired of uh, as people are of bliss continually being champion whether ross champion smackdown champion or now women's tag team champion the one thing is Vince likes her, and it gets the titles on TV. And this is something that we really had not seen with the Women's Tag Team Champions Championships for a long time. So they're actually working very well together as a team. And besides the Iconics, the only other real team right now is Fire and Desire. So it's nice to see them getting this opportunity while the Kabuki Warriors just kind of don't exist anymore. Or who knows? We just haven't seen them, really, since well, they the Ka- had that one opportunity.
0: Yeah, and the Kabukis could end up, because they're such great workers there, Asuka and Kairi Seng, could end up being... Really good foils for Cross and Bliss, who are kind of tweenish, but certainly can do heel a lot better. And I said there hasn't been a great build. I mean, there's been Mandy Rose making fun of Nikki Cross for not being beautiful. Like, is, like what is it? this? Is some lowest common denominator crap? Let's give me four hot minutes. Get out of here.
1: It was really poor. The promo was not very good, BC. And I agree. I go, you have to have the retention here. And maybe they are building the Kabuki Warriors winning the titles at Survivor Series or Hell in a Cell or something like that. Because really, you do want this on a team that can work. And they can certainly work far better uh, than Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Again, not that they're doing a bad job. But staying with the tag team division, we're going to move over to SmackDown Tag Team Championships where the New Day, Brian, did you even realize they were the champions, are defending against The Revival. What do you think about this match? You don't want to talk about Zero Build. They've been concentrating on Randy Orton basically against uh, Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. These guys have just also been involved. New Day's barely been on TV recently. What do you think about this match?
0: I, I haven't thought about it at all. When I looked at the rundown of matches here before we recorded this, I legitimately did exactly what you said. I said, oh, the New Day are champions right now. I had no idea. I don't think you can go back to the revival so quick. This doesn't make a lot of sense. Keep it on the New Day. Again, back to my theory of having your best talkers front and center when you make a much larger public launch. The new day is as great as anyone in that role. Uh, you know, it'll surprise us. It'll be certainly a much better match than we expect. My only real hope here, Adam, is we know how great the revival are as workers. I mean, they are Tully and Arn 2.0, and I, and coming from me, that's with the greatest ounce of respect in even making that comparison. Revisit their collaborations in NXT against the likes of American Alpha or DIY. We know they can work insanely well. And if given an opportunity, can roll out the balls here and have a four and a half star match, probably with ease. And we know the new day can work. Sometimes these matches don't end up being that on pay-per-views. And for whatever this is lacked as a build, this could be the perfect opener if they went in that direction where you just say, you know what? Go out there and win the crowd over. You're not going to get 30 minutes. It's not going to be a classic. But live it up. Do what you do best. I feel like The Revival haven't even been given that chance to show on the main roster exactly, as workers, what they could even be.
1: Yeah, give it 15, 18 minutes. You're right. Have it open the show and really get the crowd going because this is a sneaky potential best match on the card if it's given the right time. Just talking about from a work rate standpoint, from an in-ring excitement standpoint – The New Day have put on some great matches on TV and pay-per-views recently, and The Revival have as well. So I'm down to see this, but ultimately, BC, you're right. There's no reason to change the titles here. New Day is, again, a SmackDown team. You have The Revival, which are a Raw team. The crossing of streams here just doesn't really make sense until you get to an eventual superstar shakeup or WWE draft, which is apparently coming in October, as we mentioned earlier in the audio portion of our show. So for me, keep the titles on New Day and maybe keep the titles on Kofi Kingston BC and we might as well move on to the WWE championship considering this is all involved in one storyline obviously Kofi and New Day uh, Kofi uh, uh, Xavier Woods and Biggie all being New Day and then Randy Orton recently getting a lot of help from the revival uh, so WWE championship we are doing this rematch Kofi Kingston against Randy Orton we kind of got a Schmas finish at SummerSlam that massively depointed disappointed I should say both of us Do you see them going in a direction of Kofi retaining? Do you think this is the time that Randy Orton finally wins his next WWE championship and starts climbing that ladder that has John Cena and then obviously Ric Flair in terms of all-time world champions at the very top?
0: And has Charlotte Flair on the way right behind him as well, along with Triple H. But, uh, uh, I'm going to do what what we do every time Kofi Kingston has a title defense since winning <laughs> the title at WrestleMania in such dramatic fashion, which is I'll lay out why he should lose it, and then he'll retain it. And then he'll go on to prove me wrong for saying he should have lost it. Now, this build hasn't been great. There's certainly been some great moments separated at times, though, in this build. Right now, why I think it should happen, though— is because it's Randy Orton, and he's really exuding the star factor. And they've told their backstory fairly well. And Kofi was able to go over on the go-home moment on Tuesday night in SmackDown so dominantly and rehashing their original big moment at Madison Square Garden almost a decade earlier. He's the one who stood tall. It would seem like that would be the tip to show you that he's going to lose the belt on Sunday. And that, if the revival, like we just predicted, comes up empty earlier in the night against the New Day, It kind of makes sense why they would want to come out and help Randy again in this FTRKO faction that they have sort of softly built together. I really could lay out even more why it should be Randy Orton right here, but it's probably going to end up being Kofi retaining, and it's probably going to be that original prediction we had from way back when, that on that opening night of SmackDown on Fox, on that Friday night, October 4th, you'll probably see a major moment, something like Brock Lesnar coming back and winning the world championship there from Kofi Kingston. So I'm going to pick Randy Orton, but I'm telling you ahead of time, I'm going to be wrong.
1: Yeah, the only thing that takes me away from that prediction with Lesnar that I had you know, a couple months ago is that it is the go-home show to Hell in a Cell, which is a major pay-per-view. So maybe they're not going to do something like that, especially now that they are promoting it as the 20th anniversary of SmackDown BC. What I thought should have happened this entire time is Randy Orton winning the title at SummerSlam and Kofi Kingston getting the rematch at Hell in a Cell and winning it back. Why? Because Kofi Kingston as WWE champion is great but Kofi Kingston chasing the WWE championship is even better. So I'm not sure why they gave us that finish at SummerSlam, but I do, I'm going to double down on it. It's time for him to lose the title, not because he's not a great champion, but because from a storyline standpoint, it's better for him to chase. So I think Kofi Kingston does lose the title here. I think Randy Orton is the new WWE champion, and I think they have a rematch at Hell in a Cell where Kingston wins it back one month later. Are you okay with that booking? Yeah, inside Hell, a inside hell in a King
0: Cell. Inside Hell in a Cell with a meh. I don't know. I mean, they they had the big pop with Kofi winning at WrestleMania, and it was great for a million different reasons. And I had thought maybe they'd flip the belts quick and have him get a second one at SummerSlam, and they didn't go in that direction. He's been champion wire to wire. I don't know what that would do now. I think the window might be closed. Not closed on him being a popular superstar as he's always been and a valuable member of of the, the New Day. But once he loses that title, I think it's over and maybe should be over. There are much, much, much bigger stars in WWE than Kofi Kingston. And with the business direction that we're headed right here, I think it's time.
1: Fair enough. So let's move over and do this exact same thing. On the Raw side, because we have the Raw Tag Team Championships and the Universal Championship, both in one storyline again, kind of just realizing now that WWE's done this on both brands. But you have Seth Rollins, who's the Universal Champion, teaming with Braun Strowman as the Raw Tag Team Champions, BC, going to go up against the newly formed team of Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. So this match kind of came out of nowhere. Rude and Ziggler getting the number one contendership kind of out of nowhere. Do you think they use this as an opportunity to change the titles? Kind of like they used to do back in the Attitude Era where all of a sudden randomly like Mankind and The Rock would team up and they'd face like Triple H and another top heel. Do you see a title change here? Is this a coronation for Robert Rude and Dolph Ziggler?
0: Yeah, 100% it is. It's fairly telegraphed too. And that's not a bad thing in this case. I don't love me some Robert Rude. He peaked for me in NXT, and they've never done anything that I've loved since then. But this would give him a rebirth opposite such a star and a worker in Ziggler. And really, at this point, if they got nothing for Ziggler, having him a tag team champion in this spot wouldn't be that bad at all either. You're going to have to free up both Strowman and Rollins. It's obvious through all the teases that what's going to cost them the championships in the end is each other. And let's not forget the little tease you had on Raw with Ziggler and Rude backstage talking to AJ in the club, sort of getting buddy-buddy. Could they get them involved in sort of trying to screw over Seth Rollins in the end because AJ Styles wants in on that universal championship uh, feud and and opportunity in the long run? Definitely could see that. I think the only thing guaranteed on this show is that Braun and Rollins, sort of an all-star tag team championship team, do not retain. The only question, of course, is then what happens in the main event, which we'll get to.
1: Yeah, well, this is the typical booking, in my opinion, of, and you kind of saw a tease of it on Raw when Rollins got pushed into Strowman and then whoever pushed him in ran out of the ring and stroman thought rollins turned on him and broke up the pin on purpose um but it's the scenario where something happens maybe it's aj styles uh does something Braun blames rollins gives him the running power slam rude covers him or ziggler covers him they win the titles and they brawl and then they have to get separated for their match later in the night giving stroman the opportunity to turn quasi heel and for them to lose the titles without rollins getting beat straight up by Ziggler or straight up by Rude. So I do think that's the typical booking. Now, WWE could completely swerve us and say, no, we're going to keep the title on on Rollins and, and Strowman and maybe have Strowman win the Universal Championship or maybe have Rollins retain it. And that's the direction that we're going to keep going. They could do that. But in my opinion, there are too many superstars on WWE's main roster, Raw and SmackDown, for them to have one guy hold two titles. I know technically it's kind of also happening with the new day because Kofi's part of it and he's in theory a tag team champion as well. But you can't have that happening on both brands where you have so many superstars waiting for opportunities at singles titles and tag team titles. You just can't have the same person involved in all of these feuds. So for me, yeah, we do have Strowman uh, and Rollins lose the titles to Rude and Ziggler BC. And that brings us into the universal championship match where now we have Rollins defending his title one-on-one against Braun Strowman, as right now a pair of babyfaces. Do you think we see a title change, or is maybe Seth Rollins' reign, which kind of came to an abrupt end against Brock Lesnar, cashing in that money in the bank briefcase a few months ago, is it really just at the beginning of its second run?
0: Well, I want to stop before I answer that and ask you this. Bring it. Does this match close the show? Should it close the show? I say yes to both. Uh, I say no,
1: uh, and if you can tell, I built the rundown for this show, and I don't have it last on the ones we're discussing. I do have the two women's matches last. Ultimately, I think your best feud going into Clash of Champions is Becky Lynch against Sasha Banks. It's the match everyone wants to see. It's the match that everyone cares about because Sasha Banks was gone for so long, came back with a great heel persona, really the legit boss that she used to be uh, back in NXT. So I think they do close the show with Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks or BC. That's just me wishing as I like to do. And they just go back to the old standby of Rollins and Strowman.
0: All right, I'll tell you what's going to happen now. And I'm going to be optimistic, BC. You heard me at the open. I got Bray Wyatt involved in this whole show. This match closes the damn show. I'm not sure though that Braun Strowman wins. There's a couple different ways you can do it. Look, Seth Rollins... They've committed a ton to building him up right now in this Universal Championship. He beat Brock Lesnar clean to open WrestleMania. Oh, clean-ish with a, a kick to the crotch. Well, what did he do at SummerSlam? He beat Brock Lesnar clean to defend that championship or, or, or even to win it back. Or, no, that was for the cash in there. In the end, he is so primed and ready to be their number one, at least on the Raw brand, as they head into where they're going here with the splitting of the brands on separate networks, that it wouldn't seem logical that Strowman goes over. What I don't want or need, though, is Rollins to beat Braun Strowman clean. I just don't see it right now in the storylines and believability. Without some help, without, I don't know, I kind of want to see that storyline come together with Bray Wyatt. I don't know if he's going to calm down, the lights are going to go out, and he's going to show up and he's just going to wink at Braun or he's going to do something to mesmerize him or seduce him. But I'd like to see a return to evil Braun Strowman. I don't think he needs to win the Universal Championship and have that in the evil Bray Wyatt stable because I think ultimately, if you're going to do this Bray Wyatt push right, you're going to have Bray Wyatt in a match against Seth Rollins for that big championship. But I think you're going to have Seth Rollins retain in some sort of crazy form here or have an outright smudged finish. But let's bring back Bray Wyatt with muscle, and Braun Strowman is that.
1: Yeah, I do agree with you. They kind of showed their hand here by playing into the internet speculation, the the venue. I don't know what venue it is, but whatever's hosting Hell in a Cell basically said that Bray Wyatt would be in a Universal Championship match, which is strange because he's been nowhere near the title picture. And WWE's kind of doubled down on that with two promos in, in the last two weeks on Raw of Wyatt basically telling Rollins and or Strowman, I'll see you in hell. You know, referring to Helena Cell. So they kind of painted themselves into a corner here also with Rollins because look, it was it's tough to believe that Rollins is gonna beat Lesnar Clean. But okay, they got away with it at SummerSlam and they and they booked it in a way where Rollins went over insanely strong. But then the next competitor they give him is the other massive dude on the roster in Braun Strowman. And you're basically saying that if Rollins beats Strowman clean, he's untouchable because if those guys can't beat him, no one can except maybe Roman Reigns, who's not even on their brand, right? So they've painted Seth into this weird corner if they do give us a clean finish. For all those reasons, I don't see them giving us a clean finish. And yeah, Br- uh, Brian, maybe you're right. Maybe it's as simple as the lights go down, Fiend pops out in the middle of the ring, surprises one or both of them, uh, distracts Strowman enough so that Rollins can hit him from behind, stomp him, and get the one, two, three. Or maybe it is a DQ where he hits the mandible claw on Strowman and takes Strowman down, leading into the Rollins, Fiend, or maybe even a triple threat match at Hell in a Cell. Ultimately, I don't think we get a clean winner here, though.
0: It's probably more likely that the lights come back on. He's got the mandible claw on Rollins. And then Strowman's in that position of, what do I do? Do I attack him or do I help him? And then you see a very vicious beatdown on Seth Rollins. And you see the pay-per-view go off the air with that fiend mask, smiling and laughing, which really is the perfect bridge to having him main event Hell in a Cell just a couple months later. Crazier things. I mean, this Bray Wyatt character is so over and so brilliantly handled right now as the fiend and what he's doing in that Firefly Funhouse that you want to play his segment every week on Fox, maybe at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time at the end of SmackDown. He could be a monster player there as well if they go in that direction.
1: Do you feel it's too early for them to be putting The Fiend into a title picture of any
0: kind? No. he's so Look, this is what we wanted. This is what we have yearned for, which is Bray Wyatt to be taken seriously. No, not a House of Hardcores match against Randy Orton. And you could say, well, dude, he was taken seriously. He was in a—not a wrestle, the WrestleMania main event, but a WrestleMania main event in Orlando just a couple of years back for the championship. That story, though, just went downhill so quickly. And from there, it was just typical— what is Bray Wyatt? Where is he going? All he ever does is lose. We wanted something like this. You have to capitalize on this. Do not use Bray w- Wyatt as an attraction. Do not use him as an undertaker. Do not use him as an Elias who just shows up every week but doesn't really do anything. He's only going to matter if he's destroying people. And that storyline's only really, really going to work if he has help and he has these henchmen and he can manipulate them like he used to. Only right now his character is as strong and detailed and developed as it ever has been him in a title feud or eventually with it is that menacing villain at the end of the video game, the boss who you prop up a Seth Rollins to eventually beat at of WrestleMania. That's storytelling. That's marketing. That's how you do it in a Vince McMahon run pro wrestling territory.
1: Okay. You're getting me to buy in. Cause I was coming from the other direction of it. It's maybe a little bit too early, potentially save that to the royal rumble as the lead-in to wrestlemania or something but bc you got me to turn around on that one so now that that's all out of the the bag here we have two matches left they may not be the main events of clash of champions but they work together just like the other matches have that we just discussed first the smackdown women's championship we have bailey who just recently seemed to turn heel again defending her title against charlotte flair who just recently seemed to turn face or somewhere in between, a little bit of a tweener there. BC, do you think Charlotte Flair goes and wins her 10th WWE Women's Championship at this pay-per-view in her hometown of Charlotte, or is this another case of WWE building something up and only having the hometown kid lose in their hometown?
0: I think it's the latter. My knee-jerk reaction was, as I always do, oh, Charlotte's in a title bout? She's going to win it. Why? We always talk about it. She's going to be the one, I think, that eventually breaks Cena and her father, Ric Flair's tie of 16 world championships, even though that's not even real. Rick has had somewhere of 22 or 23. Who's counting at this point? Right. This time, though, I don't think so. And here's why. You said these matches are connected. They are. How good would it be for WWE on this relaunch of Sasha Banks and this convincing her old friend Bayley to sort of cross over into a quasi-heel turn. And by the way, WWE, moving forward from now, can't be quasi. It's got to be white and black. They got to be heels. How valuable and important would it be if Sasha Banks and Bayley came out of this pay-per-view both holding the two biggest women's champions in the company, both appearing every week on Raw and SmackDown together, and both sort of just being this badass heel duo that really raises Bailey's stock. And then eventually you can finally tell the story that we've wanted forever, which is their own version of the Mega Powers Explode. How many times has Bailey and Sasha's friendship stopped and started and never really happened and they went to therapy? And all this stuff that's never really been handled or written properly. How good would it be if they are both world champions at the same time and the potential of what you can do there and the jealousy that may play into that? So I think if Sasha's going to end up winning it in the second match that could potentially close the show that you mentioned there against Becky Lynch, I think that would counteract and coexist here with Bailey doing the same. And I think maybe overly forcing their hand with Charlotte in her hometown is probably the perfect facade to set you up for that, where you assume Charlotte's going to go over, but it is Bailey in the end, and maybe it's Sasha helping out.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. This is a situation where Charlotte Flair has been so built up, she's so strong, she can lose really any match to anyone at any time as long as it looks convincing, whether it's a roll-up, whether... I don't know, she hits her head on something, gets fake concussed, and Bailey pins her. Whatever the case, I think you have Bailey win this match and be a heel champion duo with Sasha Banks because if you do that, you can extend this rivalry through Hell in a Cell, through Survivor Series, and all the way maybe even to the Royal Rumble, BC, because you can have a tag team match with all four of these women on a pay-per-view. You can have the two champions, maybe a face wins it back, going head-to-head, um, at Survivor Series without a title actually being on the line, and then you only have one more pay-per-view to book until you get to the Royal Rumble. So for me, absolutely, you have to have Bailey retain here more than anything else because how many times in WWE BC have we seen Bailey get a push only for her just to lose very soon afterwards and get buried? And yes, the word buried is overused, but with Bailey, you're always skating on such thin ice with her because she's not Becky she's not Sasha Banks, and she's not Charlotte Flair. So anytime you do something that does take her down a notch, it takes her down even lower than those women. So For me, you have to have Bailey retain the title here and do exactly what you said. Go into this final match, which we can transition right into the Raw Women's Championship, where you have Becky Lynch defending against Sasha Banks, and you have Sasha Banks win the title and go toe to toe with Bailey. As hey, at WrestleMania, we walked in as Women's Tag Team Champions. Champions. Now we're standing as the two singles women's champions on both brands, which also BC counteracts some of those dirt sheet rumors about Sasha Banks being pretty damn unhappy with WWE.
0: No, absolutely. This is gonna be interesting how this match is presented. Sasha Banks against Becky Lynch. I mean, it's so perfect. Banks finally coming back after not using her and then her not using her at all. We don't know where she's going. And she comes back and she's as badass as ever. And certainly Becky Lynch still living off of how great that turn was into the man. So I already booked the territory in a very Vince McMahon, old school type way, right? You have a smudge finish in the main event. And you have Bray Wyatt come out and you start a new faction. That's Vince McMahon's style. You saying this could and maybe should go on last is very progressive Triple H almost level booking. And of course, the four horsewomen did come from NXT and from him to begin with. If they go in this direction, Adam, I would be nothing but joyful. Here's why we've seen classics among these four horsewomen. Their Fatal Four Way, originally in NXT was the match that sort of won me over at the potential of what women's wrestling could be in the modern era. I also loved a lot of the spin-offs that we saw, you know, some people think the Sasha and Bayley work in NXT in those two very big matches was the one that really raised the bar. A lot of people can point to Sasha and Charlotte in that main roster feud they had in 2016 really being one of the greatest rivalries, male or female of the modern era, what we haven't had is a cross connection here between Bailey and Sasha, I'm sorry, Becky and Sasha at this level and this opportunity. So what does this mean? This means if you put them on last and you give them 25 minutes and you say, have a wrestling match, have an old school wrestling match, old school like the men used to do back in Charlotte for Jim Crockett Promotions and Ric Flair back in the day or even old school like the women did in NXT, which really started this women's revolution. Let Sasha and Becky work, and you better have Sasha come out on top with the belt. I think this will be a misstep and a monster failure if anything happens but Sasha Banks the heel who's polished up and ready to fulfill that true destiny that she had on the main roster that that for many reasons never happened. Let me remind you, three, four years ago, people compared her to The Rock. I know that sounds crazy. They said if there's one female in this new era who could be a crossover star like The Rock level, and that just sounds crazy even saying it right now, it is Sasha Banks because of that flair and that swag. She's back. You want to put her on SmackDown You want- eventually or, or, or Raw as we launch into this third boom period and where business can be back and wrestling can be back front and center? Sasha Banks is the one you need with the title. But let these two work, Adam. Let them produce the classic that they really never have. They told a great story in NXT. They had a, a NXT TakeOver match when Sasha was NXT champion that I love the buildup. They used to be friends. They broke apart. But they never were allowed to have the classic together. This could be it. And I would pop for it, massive.
1: Let's not forget, BC, you had Sasha Banks making the headlines while she wasn't with the company. Then you had her make a big return that made more headlines. And you have Becky Lynch... Who's the most over superstar in the company right now that WWE is putting front and center at fox upfronts and major events and and having her do ESPN sports center commercials and things like that right so how would this match not go on last like I, i'm I'm being a little you know uh, critical here of wWE they always tend to go with The WWE Championship, or really, honestly, these days, the Universal Championship. But if you're talking about what is the biggest storyline in the company right now, what is the match people are anticipating more than anything else, it's Becky Lynch against Sasha Banks and being able to give us a title change with Sasha Banks, who really, Brian, if you look at who Becky has fought since she won both titles at WrestleMania, since she was winner take all, she's fought really Lacey Evans and Natalia. And neither of those was someone that you legitimately thought should have been the one to beat Becky. You need to be a huge name in order to take down the equivalent of an Austin or a Rock or a Triple H. And that's what Sasha Banks is. She's been the missing piece. Heel Sasha Banks, the boss Sasha Banks, has been the missing piece in WWE's women's division for quite some time. So there is no other answer to me on how to end the pay-per-view or how to finish this match than having Sasha Banks go over as the new Raw Women's Champion.
0: And look, Becky is, for a reason, gave us Steve Austin feel feel, of a badass Steve Austin when booked right. But that only really works on the chase. Let's be honest. Since becoming champion, the booking hasn't been the best. Since getting engaged to Seth Rollins and they played up that side of the angle, the booking hasn't been the best. Her with a chip on her shoulder, feeling like she was wrong, needing to be on the come up. Is her as female Austin, and if Sasha Banks is allowed to keep being the badass boss, she's the rock, essentially, in that regard, and that relationship, how that can work. This could really be the start of uh, a new era, all that great stuff, but really the fulfillment of what these women did in NXT, and, and in some cases we've seen it work out great, but we haven't seen the four of them really maximize themselves. It's interesting. We saw their reunion on Raw and their tag team match, which had some really good moments. And now we're going to see these two matches in very prominent spots here and a chance to really move this women's revolution or whatever you want to call it even further to that next level because they can work. That was a big part of taking women seriously, but you now have the star level to really back it up. I mean, look where Becky is just in the last nine months. Look where Sasha is now and could be. Charlotte's already established herself. Bailey, you're the Ringo star of that group. But that's not shade. There's no shade at Bailey For that, it is what it is. Somebody's got to keep the beat. Bailey can do that. She can hug, too.
1: Hey, Ringo had a lot of success as a single. You know, once he left the Beatles, once they split up, Ringo sold some records. So, you know, peace and love, peace and love on that right there. Um, But, BC, now we've talked through this card. We've gone through all of the matches. We started off kind of saying... We're excited, but it's a mid-level pay-per-view. Yeah, but there's some, some good bouts on the show. Now that we've finished talking it through, are you a little bit more excited than you were about an hour ago when we started talking about Clash of Champions?
0: I'm very excited at the potential, yes. And, and certainly, I did, maybe didn't give the Banks-Becky match the potential to go. I didn't even think about it going on last. That's how, that's how under the radar I thought this pay-per-view was. I got a chance to do something special on Sunday night in Charlotte. Hopefully, WWE does. It's a fertile time. Pro Wrestling is back. And it's going to be back in your face even more with NXT going to cable television with SmackDown going to primetime network television. So a lot of big business to come. Let's hope this card delivers. I will tell you though, the state of combat podcast on CBS sports always delivers. All right. That was your clash of champions preview. Once again, be sure to check that out on YouTube. If you want to see Adam Silver King's mug, Uh, Adam, we got to get out of here, but we never get out of here without putting our hands deep somewhere. So that was a, that was a little bit gross, but that's all right. Uh, what hit you right in the field spot? What kicked your mud hole this week?
1: So Austin on raw, I thought did a really good job. I liked the beer bash at the end. It was kind of old school. It was funny to me that everyone else was like banging them together and chugging them. And Seth Rollins was just like sipping it in the corner. It was pretty funny. But what I absolutely loved, and I don't know whose name is what, but the Viking Raiders being in on the beer bash went absolutely ape. Like, they got a couple of beers slammed them together chugged, and uh, you know that Rowe and, and Hansen which is how i actually know their names were just banging on their chest going crazy like <laughs> slamming the cans into their heads it made me like them for the first time on the main roster and it makes me think like get the hell out of this viking gimmick go back to war raiders or if you can't be war raiders change your name be something else but be regular people stop with the face paint and the ma- and the, the headdresses and the gear just be a couple badasses like the APA used to be or something like that because those guys have the look and the ability and the in-ring style to do it. And what I saw with the beer – and I think they're actually straight edge, which is kind of funny if, that, if that's true. I'm not totally sure. Um, but they look like total badasses like that you would find at a bar just chugging beer and slamming it, slamming the cans on
0: their heads. I loved it. It popped me. I was laughing hysterically. What you just said triggered me from our discussion to open the show about another attitude area, another boom era. Uh, part of under you know part of subtly what made the Attitude Era what it was was how real everything was. It was the reality right. era at the same time, wrestlers wrestling under their real name. The first time I heard Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, initially I was like, oh, this is so lame. Why isn't he like you know, Razor Scott Hall or, you know, or Razor Robert Hall or something stupid like that? And then you see them in the jeans and the ripped T-shirts jumping the guardrails, and you're like, these guys are badass. These guys are like in a game. You see Kevin Nash with the Tupac head uh, head uh scarf. On. You're like, these guys are badass. It's real. You nailed it. Get them out of the war gimmick and get them into just regular dudes who drink beer. One thing I didn't like about that, Adam, some people echoed it on Twitter. Braun's just now boys with Seth and Steve Austin after kind of being trash talky with them and having a moment in that match where he didn't trust Seth. And now because, you know, Uncle Steve Austin, Steve Weiser's there, Then we're all, and I didn't like that. And I also think they missed an opportunity when AJ got stunned and he came out and made fun of Steve Austin's drawl. Nobody does better Steve Austin imitations than the damn good brothers. Have you ever heard them on Steve Austin's show doing it for him? Have you ever heard those podcasts they used to do with Jericho and, uh, and the other people in Japan before that? These guys are hilarious. They should have done an entire bit of mimicking him and then have him beat them all down. Like, come on. It's the talent sitting right there. Big, sexy Uncle Luke, Doc Gallows. My feel spot this week, Adam, is just the continued amazing work done by angelo dawkins it's subtle obviously both of the street profits are nailing it in that role that paul Heyman's given them but when dawkins gets a little thirsty and creepy there every week and starts mentioning essentially what men do when they watch pro wrestling and what these two men do when they're doing this damn podcast yeah sasha blue it's working for you thanks i I could not pop more for that when he does those little moments i mean because look that's what you, That's what men do. Thank you. It's just like, it's, let men be men. It's 2019. It's true. It's funny. If you only
1: know them from NXT, you think Montez Ford's the star. But if you only know them from Raw, Angelo Dawkins is the star. And it's a really unique shift that on the mic, Dawkins is just confident. And they're giving him this role of like a playboy who goes out all night and parties and is going after the women. Um I really like what they're doing, but you know what? I'm also getting kind of tired of just no. seeing them backstage recapping the show, previewing the main event, and then talking about the upcoming pay per view. I'm okay, keep doing it, but get in the ring, or or go back to NXT, or staying I don't on NXT, know. Yeah, I'm like it's I, I working. Don't, I, don't touch me. I need thing. to see them doing more than that on Raw. It's at some point someone has to get another wrestler has to get annoyed by them and challenge them to a match, even if they're not on Raw full time. They got to be somewhere else besides. Just backstage, sitting down, talking to the camera.
0: I will say, Adam, one day, unrelated to this, but to put the button, the ribbon on this show, we're going to get Cody on here. We're going to tell him all the things you said about him for years, and he's going (laughs) to tell you off. I would love it. Here's the
1: problem, Brian. Here's the problem. I have reached out to the Young Bucks people. I've reached out to Cody's people. I've reached out to your boy, Conrad. We have Brent, one of our new employees here. And CBS Sports apparently has contacts with AEW PR. I have tried to get AEW interviews on this show. They ain't coming on. Don't know why. N- not getting no's. Just not getting replies. So uh, I think maybe, it's they have, obvious, Adam. maybe they have their preferred media outlets or, or whatever. Maybe they're too busy for us. But I'll tell you something. My opinion of AEW... That that that's part of it. It's the frustration of, from a professional standpoint, not being able to hear from them. And we're trying to promote well, them. I think there's a reason. We're doing for our that, job Adam. to
0: promote them. Look closely. Look closely. Look inside. There's a reason for that. Okay. Right. Yeah, I'm sure it's me. I'm sure, there right. so, so you know, in some cases, I, there's no reason they could give a. In some a crap cases, like I respect Cody. More okay, thank you very much. There, good luck to AEW. (laughs) Last Champion Sunday, be there after the show. State of Combat hitting you up with the instant analysis. Interviews you need to hear Monday morning, bright and early. Trips, HBK, NXT's Movie USA Network. That's it, it's time for the ending. I can't do this anymore. I love a happy ending. Not (laughs) not that one, that's very, very crappy. Not that one. Uh, you got anything else? Just two words you want to give them to the people? Yeah, we out.